0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 24th year on the air. And we want to thank everyone who has helped us along the way, especially you, the listener, and some of our great guests that this is. The day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, and we are rejoicing and glad that uh, Father Michael Kiernan is on the other end of the telephone line. Uh, Father, good day to you.
1: Good day to you, uh, Bob, and to all your listeners and to everybody uh, continuing to wrap up Christmas and Epiphany and all the wonderful time we're in, and I hope you're all doing well and have a great start of the new year.
0: And If you don't have the Christmas tree down by the end of January, we're coming after it.
1: <laughs> okay okay i think we'll get there yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
1: uh christmas uh, ends uh today uh december or i mean january 10 i guess is the baptism of the lord so therefore it's uh uh people keep talking about it goes until the feast of the presentation but uh in general i think most people are uh, fairly well finished by the feast of the epiphany or Captures of the Lord. Those days get a little bit confused sometimes. It's, oh, it's on a Sunday, they're of the Lord. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but anyway, yeah, good, I, good faith, I
0: remember I the the late Bishop Garcia, auxiliary bishop here, and then uh, Bishop of Monterey, um, telling me that uh when he was a kid, the Epiphany, of January sixth, that was the day they put out their boots on the doorstep. Yeah, I remember
1: the, Father um, uh, Santiago from Nicaragua saying that that was. Uh, so it seems like it was something of a uh, uh, South American or Mid American mm-hmm, culture, uh, mm-hmm, uh, maybe Mexican, Guatemala, right. Nicaragua, all that. Um, but yes, uh, Little Christmas uh, uh, it was it was a very special time in many parts of the world, and. Uh, uh, Kids saw that as the time to get their stuff out.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, my kids heard Bishop Garcia say that. And so every January 6th, they started putting out their shoes, finding the biggest shoe they could, figuring it would get filled up with something yummy.
1: Well, that would be good. So you do uh, Real Christmas on the 25th and then come up to uh, January 6th and you get a second
0: shot at it, right? That's, that's right. That's right.
1: Well, they're smart kids, you know. That's uh, right. Well, of course, smart dads so kind of smart kids, yeah. <laughs>
0: Mostly they have a smart mom, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: as so, so long as one of them most smart. And, uh, but it takes two to ten goals, so probably a little bit of both. Yeah, you have yeah. lovely children and lovely young people. So what uh, are all they doing now with their lives? They're getting on and getting older and everything.
0: Yes, they are. We will have uh, – we will – Coming this fall, God willing, we will have four kids in college. Wow! At the same time.
1: Yeah. Are so you working three jobs or four jobs?
0: I'm going to work eight <laughs> jobs.
1: I say so. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little bit of sleep once in a while, and that's back to work. Yeah. No, that's but, but you know,
0: that, well, that's, that's what you hope for, for your kids. I mean, not just necessarily going off to college, but spreading their wings and flying and, and finding their way and uh, hopefully still looking to you for a little bit of guidance. And uh, um, that's, you know, we feel very fortunate that, that to with the children we have, you know, that God has entrusted to us.
1: Well, you are blessed because I was uh, visiting with a... Family today, or the boy is, uh, you know, that I've known for quite a long time, a uh, very delightful young man, uh, but now has all sorts of uh, uh, depression problems and probably even some touch of schizophrenia and stuff of like that. And I was just thinking how different he is from the young man I knew two or three years ago. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, one has great um, uh, sympathy for. Uh, people who's, you know, just in the normal situation of life, it's surprising, uh, not surprising maybe, but just reality that so many people have uh, great challenges in their life, um, health challenges, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or uh, and spiritual, I suppose you could say, too. Uh, So you're blessed then, uh, Bob, to have uh, children who are emotionally well and physically well, and and going to school and wanting to um, being able to do this because this is a very bright young man I know from my experience of him before that people's health uh, in any capacity can deteriorate mm-hmm. so uh, certainly uh, uh, sad to see uh, when it's when it's not good and yep. thank God for your kids and everybody else's kids uh, all of our people who are listening that pray God bless your children and I suppose some of them have been home for Christmas and now Back to their uh, schooling or work or whatever it is. And so uh, that's uh, always a hard time to let them go back.
0: It is. And indeed it is. So we're talking with Father Michael Kiernan. Father, uh, since we talked last, um, uh, Pope Benedict passed away, um, lived a long, full life, I believe 95, 96 years old. Uh, Nine years since he stepped down from the papacy, shop- shocked the world. Uh, and the, kind of the rumor at the time was he must be very, very, very ill and he's going to die very shortly. And that didn't happen. And uh, um, this time it it, it did. And uh, it seemed like we, we all got a, sort of a forewarning of it. Um, I have many, many thoughts about Pope Benedict, uh, but I'd love to hear yours.
1: Well, in a sense, I grew up with uh, Ratzinger, uh, later to be Benedict. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I was in uh, seminary in uh, uh, 67 to 73, and that was, the council was just getting on its feet then. uh, Mm It had taken place uh, a little bit earlier than that, but the results of it and the implications of it and Implementation of it,
0: yeah, just getting and, out uh, to the, all the parishes and and uh, uh, dioceses around. I mean, I think it actually concluded in '65, but a lot of us weren't weren't really aware of it till a, a few years, years later.
1: Well, of course, the tremendous change of uh, the mass just uh, in one foul swoop from one well, day is this, and another day is that, and many other aspects of it as well. Plus, you know, as Many people have often talked, and uh, Ratzinger himself was embroiled uh, as a theologian and then as a cardinal and then as pope uh, in the uh, whole question of uh, continuity of uh, the council with uh, previous councils and previous you know, teachings and then the spirit of Vatican II and uh, all of that. There was an enormous amount of... Uh, you know, unwise stuff that <laughs> took place uh, in the late 60s, because everything in society in general was sort of a little bit uh, uh, strange then. And and then the 70s, uh, I mean, uh, masses were, were, I think, very different than they are today. And even the way, you know, just a lot of things were. Uh, it seemed like a time where. Great innovation, and I remember Pope Paul VI, uh, who lived through uh, 1978, uh, uh, almost in tears, saying, "You know, well, do we have to change everything?" Uh uh Uh, You know, uh, because um, he certainly, you know, really was the Pope of the Council, even though John the Twenty-third called it, but it was really him who had the job of implementing it. Really, John the Twenty-third
0: died before it was over.
1: Yes, uh, basically, and and early on in it, in the sense of in 62, and and then it was 63. He died in uh, June of 63. So it fell to uh, uh, Pope Paul the Sixth, uh, St. Paul the Sixth, now, to uh, bring it through the various stages, as you say, until it concluded. Uh, so there was a lot of stuff there, and of course it was amazingly challenging and. Um, I know some priests actually had a great uh, difficulty with um, just facing the people in the sense that, uh, you know, I would say in a, in a general sort of way that priests are fairly shy people, not at all, but certainly nobody sees uh, being a priest as sort of being a showman or, you know, being a great public out there person, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we're, we're all taught to try to live humble lives and not show off and not be, uh, you know, like a, a TV personality or some of that. And so in that sense, uh, just for, you know, priests had uh, celebrated the mass in Latin and also, ooh, uh, right around the, I, I don't mean term "with back to the people is really a good expression. I don't like it myself. It's, there's no better way to express it than that, but it certainly is what people thought the case. And for them, for them to just turn around and, and even, you know, uh, look at people and uh, and also to uh, be very uh, clear in um, uh, speech and try to get diction right and mm-hmm. and uh, speak slowly and carefully and uh, all of that uh, with the mass. Uh, Uh, was an enormous, uh, uh, especially for people who had, uh, enormous challenge for especially people who had been doing it uh, for uh, uh, a long time. Uh, I mean, uh, even you, most of your work, it seems to me, is is on radio. Mm -hmm. And it would be a different situation altogether if you were doing a TV show.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. You
1: know, I mean, like, Right now, you could be scratching your head, or you know, your you yeah, right. was hurting, her and you're fixing it, or whatever it is. But nobody would know. But if you were uh, doing a TV show, you know, you just even sit strange in the seat. People wonder, <laughs> is the okay, or what's on? And so, priests had to face that. Uh, and then, of course, there was, it was a time of innovation and creativity, and uh, there was a lot of uh, change going on overnight. And A lot of priests and sisters leaving the church at that particular time. And uh, it was just an enormous time of uh, uh, questioning and um, so on that, uh, thank God, has stabilized quite a bit since then.
0: So Vatican II ended in, in 1965, and you started seminary in 1967. Was it topic A in seminary?
1: Well, it was beginning just you know that the Latin mass was uh, no longer mm-hmm. well, the mass no longer celebrated in, in Latin. Though we did learn some Latin, but certainly in the past, you know, all the priests had uh, had all their presentations and even exams and so on were in Latin. But that was uh, dropped pretty much. Uh, so uh, there was that, and then there was, uh, of course, in nineteen sixty eight, came up the. Uh, of the decision of Paul the Sixth on Humana Vitae and right. that was a huge uh, discussion in the, uh, in the in the seminaries and so on. And uh, now, of course, a lot of the issues that have come up since I don't remember in the seminary ever uh, talking much about matters of homosexuality or uh, or um, same-sex uh, marriage, anyway, or anything like that, or, or uh, the different gender questions we're dealing Mm -hmm. with today Uh, and uh, also the uh, like women priests and all that none of those were coming up but at that particular time we thought we were having big discussions about uh, I suppose the way to be church and how uh, a simpler uh, lifestyle or whatever you want to call it Uh, I think there was a great hope uh, which was then and it is. I know uh, some. You know, it hasn't really worked out as well as they'd like. Uh, that the thought was that if you were able to uh, go to mass and have everything in your own language—Spanish or German or English or whatever—that uh, you would really be benefit. You would benefit from that. Uh, uh, you know, when obviously, uh, it's not a comparison. Very good comparison, but. You know, if you're watching a movie that's in Spanish and you're getting, uh, you know, the English subtitles, well, it's not the same as if you're watching the movie in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably you don't speak Spanish type thing. So I think there was that hope. But for whatever reasons, uh, uh, I think if the uh, liturgies and stuff had turned out right away, the way they are now, you uh, know, maybe there's some places where things are not that good, but it seems to me that all the Masses I go to are quite reverent and respectful and, you know, uh, attempt to create good music and so on and, and uh, have the Word of God proclaimed well and uh, all of that. But uh, there was a lot of... Uh, Uh, things done in the 70s and so on uh, that were a bit of a challenge and uh, that sort of impacted things a little bit as well. How counsel was received and how uh, the the things it was trying to do didn't come off that well right away and then that maybe disturbed a lot of people. But, um, yeah, it was a creative time, but... Uh, Ratzinger, of course, was uh, very much uh, part of the. He was
0: a part of it, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he was what they call a pariti, or uh, an expert, and he was there with the Cardinal of Cologne. I think it was uh, uh, who brought him, and so obviously he was a bright boy from the very beginning. I mean, it mm. seemed like right. from the time he was in seminary and came out then, and so on. He was just uh, this uh, brilliant. So he young was a, man, he
0: was and, a, a priest at the time.
1: Oh yeah, he was a priest there, and he was uh, uh, so presumably he was teaching someplace in some I know seminary or university or something in in uh, in Germany. In Germany, yeah. he was close to the to the to the cardinal there, who was uh, I think it was Priestling or something was his name, the cardinal. But anyway, he uh, brought him there, and and so he would have been uh, probably helping the cardinal to about uh, understand what was going on, and also to help him to uh, discuss it and, you know, prepare his, maybe the Cardinal's uh, position on this side or the other, depending on what vote has been taken. And I'm sure the Cardinal would speak um, in, the, you know, in the various meetings and so on, and I no doubt him and Batsinger would have uh, discussed that ahead of time as he put together his uh, presentation and then so in that sense uh, Father Ratzinger, as he was then uh, would have a a very uh, uh important role
0: uh. Uh, so he
1: saw the council then first hand up close and personal and uh, would have seen both for john the twenty third and and paul the sixth uh, you know just uh, Every day.
0: So when it, so when it started, he, he it, almost exactly sixty years ago, he'd have been a man in his mid thirties.
1: Yes, he would yeah. have been uh, mm-hmm. long enough a priest that he was seasoned, but he uh, was still uh, uh, young and uh, and probably still finding his way. It was around that time that he wrote the famous book on the introduction to Christianity, mm-hmm. and that is why still. Uh, Uh, But it was very interesting that he uh, foresaw all the challenges of the Church that we face today and basically prophesied Uh, a very short paragraph, maybe, I want to say, 15, 20 lines. Uh, He just talked about how the Church would uh, lose all its power and uh, influence and the numbers would decrease and all sorts of... uh, things that, at that particular time, uh, you would think, oh, this makes no sense at all.
0: I mm-hmm. mean, uh,
1: we were sort of riding on a high uh, course that time, uh, and of course, that's true of the Church, in every, you know, in every century, there's some years that are just like even, you know, our own country here, there's some times when you think things are just going mighty fine, thank you, and and there's other things, and you think that the whole thing is uh, uh, going belly up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's uh, a challenge for the church to, uh, you know, to look at the happy times and the successful times, if you want to call them that, and then to deal with the uh, problem times uh, and the times that are not easy.
0: So yeah, people I- catch that, yeah. It's it's just a, a, amazing when when you think of um, the influence, obviously, of, of Vatican II and the, the the changes that it brought about. But I mean, there's some there's some very beautiful, profound stuff in the writings of, of Vatican II. Oh,
1: indeed, and I don't know. I, I think a real problem has been that, uh, and maybe it was in back to what I was saying about the time after that that. Uh, and uh the matter was just uh, inability or just didn't take uh, uh, just didn't take well uh, uh, people didn't maybe study it as much as we might have and, and been calmer about it in the sense that uh, uh, the aberrations and stuff like that got more uh, publicity than the actual uh, thing itself and of course it was in some ways designed to deal with uh, you know the a time of great uh, pain and distrust and just a uh, horrible situation after you know Europe uh, after World War two and the Holocaust and the Nazi's uh, situation and uh, Uh, By the way, Bob, have you got any much information on that presentation that uh, that comes to mind uh, that uh, we're having down at the uh, Good Shepherd Church on the uh, 16th of January? Uh, There's going to be a, a rabbi. Coming and Bishop Wigan will be there, and Monsignor Murphy will be there, of course, with his new book out on the Holocaust. Uh, have you talked to him about his new book yet?
0: Have not yet, but uh, uh, yeah. certainly intend to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you could get him on this week, in the sense that uh, he's uh, really promoting this event uh, on the uh, 16th, uh, which is the evening of Martin Luther King Day. Uh, so it's a day off for people, but. Anyway, it's it's going to be uh, on the you know on the Holocaust and so on. So going back to what I was saying, the, the Holocaust was just such a terrible thing, and and all sorts of well stuff was going on in the world, and and of uh, course, was, was always going on in some ways, but a particularly bad then. And so the council was attempting to deal with uh, you know crazy world where, where people had, I mean, nobody could almost get hope again after what had happened with the Holocaust. It was just,
0: yeah, yeah, uh,
1: I can believe bad that. Bad things that happened, but even World War One was, was a terrible thing, but it, it wasn't that centered in a sense. It was mm-hmm. more like old wars, you know, where you want something and you come to fight me for what I have and, and I fight you back. And, right. But but the Holocaust ingredient, to it was just so terrible. And, and this is why we have to, uh, this is why I know uh, uh, I had uh, lunch there uh, recently with Bishop Week and Monsignor Murphy, and Rabbi Ruben Taft uh, uh, discussing this event coming up uh, on that day. And we were talking about the Holocaust and, you know, well, some people, unfortunately, now are even... Trying to deny it or play it down, or that wasn't as big a deal as, but certainly that's not the case. Uh, it was a trouble thing. So there's all those things that the council was uh, trying to deal with the, uh, you know, just uh, the sadness of the human situation. And uh, as you see, many beautiful writings, you know, the church in the modern world, or, uh, you know, the revelation and uh, even the, the sacraments and so on. Uh, so I don't know if we can really they say it takes a hundred years for a council to actually take its place and mm-hmm. uh, be put in place so we're moving along but um, it's, it's, it's uh, and then there was so uh, Father Ratzinger or Archbishop Ratzinger then as he became in Germany he played a very important role and then of course he came to Rome, uh, uh, at the request of uh, the order of John uh, Paul II, uh, and he was his right-hand man, and there uh, was all the challenges there of uh, a million and one questions that he had to deal with. Um, uh, he came across, in some ways, as very cold and uh, harsh and uh, sort of a difficult personality. At least that's the way some people received it, but. Actually, there were many other people who perceived it, uh, those who got to know him individually or in smaller groups or whatever it would be, they just, you know, figured that he was the most gentle and kind and loving uh, and humble uh, and just beautiful person. Uh, I know bishops told me personally that when they went on their, uh, ad limited visits, uh, they would visit all the different uh, congregations and dicasteries and uh, he would be one of them, but he was the most alert and knowledgeable and would really treat them with great kindness and be well aware of their uh, situation. Uh, it wasn't just uh, an in-and-out perfunctory thing. It was a uh, real meaning of uh, with them and uh, listening to them. And, and um, he had a great memory, of course, for people, too. So uh, uh, in that sense, he was a very man.
0: Well, I remember when uh, maybe it was when he was was became pope, um, doing a show, and you know he was what 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 was the term? He was Rottweiler. He was uh, oh yeah. <laughs> he was this this uh, you know attack dog for the Vatican, you know, and all this stuff. And and then the next thing you know, he's pope. And, and I remember uh, being fortunate enough to have uh, Cardinal De Veda on the phone, and. And he said, "People just have that so wrong he said he is uh, he is uh, in the word he used was grandfather you know in in the best sense of the word um kind and gentle and loving and he says people just don't don't know him you know and uh uh but as as his papacy went on and even even after it um he to the world seemed to be much more that persona uh of of the grandfatherly the the kind you know even even as he was s- such a prolific writer and uh, the thing i always uh, admired and enjoyed about his writing was he was a, a raging intellectual but he wrote uh, he he wrote what i won't say a fourth grader but he wrote uh, certainly for the common man, could understand every part of what he was writing. He didn't uh, use giant words that nobody understood or giant theories that nobody understood. He was an intellectual who could talk to the people.
1: Well, and of course, uh, part of his problem also was that you know he was, in a sense, the number two man or the uh, the person who had to handle difficult issues. And sure. you know, if there's some particular problem there. In your office, uh, maybe you're, you you know you don't think oh, I'm doing things right or whatever it is. Maybe you'll have your assistant call me and tell me, you know, that right. I've got to do this back, or the other. You're probably going to be the good guy in that call, and uh, you're looking real good. But this other guy who called me, uh, right. he, he might be only telling me the facts of life, you know, and just be straightforward. Well, he's going to be I'm going to be mad at him, sort of, because he's the one giving me the hard time. Right. And uh, but the hard time had to be given in a sense, but I don't like the guy who gave it to me, and I'm going to uh, blame him and so on. Uh, but I may think you're still a nice guy, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and so I think maybe that was some of the challenge for him that he was the one who had to deliver, but well, make some decisions on many things uh, under John Paul, and then also be the one to deliver the bad news that your book is not going to be published, or your end on this is problem, or we're we're not pleased with you for what you're doing here or there. So uh, I suppose in that sense, uh, he, uh,
0: and maybe when he
1: became Pope then, he was more free to, uh, you know, be himself and and show himself, and people saw him in a different light then uh, uh, in that sense, Um, but uh, certainly a great long life and uh, beautiful uh, Germany and uh, Rome for the funeral, but uh, uh, those are always uh, amazing events when you just see the Pope's uh, casket, uh, you know, just lying there mm-hmm. uh, out, and of course, the two or three days that he was, uh, uh, when people were coming to pay their respects, you know, just see his, his body there uh, uh, available to people to see. Uh, Um, And then his final words of "Lord, I love you." And uh, uh, certainly, we can't judge anybody negatively or positively, and we don't know all the facts about their life. But uh, you certainly get the impression that uh, uh, I'm sure he had shortcomings like everybody else, and maybe all his decisions weren't perfect more than anybody else. But uh, you certainly think he would be somebody who would. <laughs> have a sort of a good shot at getting a quick entry into heaven. <laughs> if he didn't, the rest of us are gonna have way down the line. <laughs> I,
0: I certainly hope he has a good shot. Otherwise, the rest of us are in big trouble.
1: <laughs> way back there, uh, yeah. five hundred miles from the door. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, you know, I have a I, I have one up close and personal story with. Uh, uh, Pope Benedict, um, uh, when he visited New York City, um, to come specifically to Ground Zero, and uh, when when Ground Zero was still Ground Zero was still just a yeah actually you no
1: know, I was over there that time and right. I went to St Patrick's and uh, lo and behold uh, of course I got to see him at a long distance and that's a huge church but that was a nice thing and, but go ahead
0: well the uh, at the time I was. In addition to doing the Bishops hour, I was uh, doing a show for uh, the, the Catholic Channel out of New York City. We we're doing it from Sacramento, but it was the Catholic Channel uh, on Sirius satellite radio, the, the National satellite. Uh-huh. And, and just by chance they you know he was, go- he was going to go down into the pit, he was gonna. There was gonna be a ceremony at Ground Zero, uh-huh. down in the pit, and of course the the mayor was there and and uh, the governor was there. I think the 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 mayor was Bloomberg at the time. Well, I know for, I know it was because he was there, and uh, uh, I think the governor was Governor Patterson. And anyway, um, because there was so much media attention, they had uh, they had what they called pool reporters, where you. you the, the people that were picked to be the pool reporters had to share their stuff, you know, even uh-huh. with the opposition or the... Comp- not the opposition, but the competition, you know, because you couldn't let everybody down there. And just the luck of the draw, I got to be a, a pool reporter on the radio. And they set up... I mean, it's the this, this starkest thing I've ever seen. I mean, here's this this... Giant hole in the ground. Um, it just unbelievable to imagine there had been, you know, a, a, a huge building there, two huge buildings, and and they had set up. They set up these these bleachers for us. Probably, maybe about twenty of us. Some of us were print reporters, and some were TV, and some were radio. Uh, I was sitting next to uh, a young woman who was. From a Polish newspaper out of Chicago, but a Polish language newspaper in Chicago, and and th- they set up a, a just a kneeler for the Pope and a sort of a pool of water with a with a with a candle coming out of it, and and he came out he, the Pope mobile came down a a, a a makeshift ramp right down to the bottom of the pit, and there were twenty four people who were somehow related to people who had died in the World Trade Center whether uh, first responders or just people that were working there uh maybe spouses maybe children maybe parents of and and they formed like a semicircle waiting for the pope the pope came down he prayed um quietly B- by himself, not not with in a microphone or anything. There was n- there was no uh, formal statements, as I remember, by the Pope at, at, in the in the pit, and and then one by one, the people came from this semicircle and came around to where the Pope was now standing, and he would greet them, and the thing that so impressed me. Was he spoke very little. He listened to them. And he could speak English. And uh-huh. he, sp- he listened. And some of them, and they weren't, they weren't necessarily Catholic. I, I'm not quite sure how any of these people were selected. Um, he listened. And he, you know, all gender, uh, both, you know, all ages, um, uh, you know, all w- walks of life but somehow connected to someone who had died in in 911 uh, uh, uh-huh. and he spoke very little and 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 it just really impressed me the humanity he had and the humility he had uh, and the love he had and and trying to put himself in their in their shoes you know uh-huh. not I'm the pope and I'll give you my blessing kind of thing but 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 which is fine too but um um just hearing their stories one by one some of them were 30 seconds some of them were four or five minutes Uh he didn't try to hurry anybody along he didn't have any aides standing there saying okay okay you've had your you've had your turn with the pope it wasn't a photo op there were no nobody was taking a picture and it was it was one of the most moving things i have ever witnessed in my life and i was we were probably 20 or 30 feet away sitting in this little makeshift bleachers the, the 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 very odd and difficult part about it was, is I was doing live radio. And most of the people there were print. And there were a few photographers uh, from a distance, you know, just taking a picture of the scene. And so I had to be talking while this was going on. And every time I would talk, the other people in the bleachers would look at me like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, like like, you can't be talking while this is going on. And you well, I'm on the radio, you know, we, uh-huh. that's, that's what we do on the radio. You know, you, you were kind of whispering almost like you were uh, with all respect covering a golf match or something, you know, because uh-huh. like they, they whisper or they don't want to, to disturb the golfers, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and yet you had to keep talking because you had to describe for people out there in ra- the radio world, what was going on. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I was just so impressed with, and, and, and you know, when, when the Pope comes, I can't think of another another leader of the world, whether religious or otherwise, where everybody is going to come, uh, people who are religious, who are non-religious, uh, politicians uh-huh. of all stripes. Uh, it's it, it, The Pope's <laughs> a world leader, and, and I, I saw that, but what I really saw was his humanity. And it, it, didn't, it didn't change my opinion uh, of him at all. It just reinforced it, you know.
1: Um, well, well, you know, there's a story of, of a, a bishop who uh, went to see him when he was uh, cardinal and when he was head of the office there mm-hmm. in Rome and uh, got there and they sit down and uh, the bishop started telling his, explaining why he came and he has some issues he wants to deal with. And one of Ratzinger's uh, helpers, or the priest, I guess, uh, sort of jumped in and basically told the bishop that, you know, what you say is not possible. Uh, And Ratzinger said to him, Oh, hold up, hold up. The bishop has come a long way. Let us listen some more Mm -hmm. to what he wants to tell us. And so the bishop held forth at some length. So in the the end, Colonel Ratzinger said to him, uh, Well, Bishop, you are a skilled uh, canon lawyer yourself, I know. Uh, did you really think we could do this? I don't, it's not possible to do it, really. Uh, and so, uh, but it is possible for us to have lunch, so let us do so.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so that's the way it was amiably uh, taken care of in that particular case. But again, like you were saying, the listening and uh, the. Uh, Openness to let the uh, bishop make his case, rather than just to uh, mm-hmm. cut him off uh, in a few minutes. Uh, that seems to have been very much a part of. Uh, I know Bishop Garcia and Bishop Regan often talk about uh, their experience with him as, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, when he was cardinal and later as pope, uh, how he was uh, very much uh, uh, easy to talk to and um, and knew the personalities, right. as opposed to just. With
0: emotions yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well
1: it was a great and blessed man and now uh, he'll be there to uh, intercede for us in heaven and uh, yes. uh, uh, pray uh, uh, for us and um, good example and uh, everything like that but, uh, he's done so uh, now it's up to us to uh, continue the journey he talked about his journey often talked about his journey and I guess we're all on the journey uh, uh, with Christ and in uh, faith and so on. So uh, uh, please, God, we'll keep going ourselves. And now that we've celebrated the epiphany and uh, baptism of the Lord, uh, it'll be uh, Lent before we know it. Um, Mid-February, I think, is Lent or so. So uh, just a month or more. And uh, on we go to uh, another time of uh, renewal and Change and becoming, hopefully
0: <laughs> closer to God. Well, speaking of uh, things coming up in the new year, um, I've be, I've been made aware that a certain priest that I know of uh, is going to be celebrating his fiftieth anniversary of his ordination.
1: Yeah, there's probably several of them, but uh, uh, by the way, I think Father Joe Tornello is going to be celebrating his fiftieth anniversary. And I want to say December.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or did or, Well, maybe he did. Uh, maybe he already did. But anyway. Maybe it happened, yeah. He, yeah, because I know he was a little bit ahead of me, but, yeah, as you say, mine is coming up, please God, in, in June. And so, uh, we'll try to uh, come up with a little plan, have a couple of masses maybe. Uh, uh, well, I'll put that together a little bit now. And so, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like that long ago uh, when I started off in St. Joseph's in Reading with Monsignor John O'Connor and uh, all the beautiful people up there and all the wonderful people ever since and uh, varieties of parishes and charities and ecumenical and uh, all sorts of uh, involvements that uh, one has in a lifetime. And uh, just a joyful, it's been a very joyful life for me with wonderful people. Uh, 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 my first pastor told me, he said, "I think you're going to be a lucky young man, and as a priest, you'll always have people to help you uh, and save you from your mistakes."
0: <laughs> so you were—you went to seminary in Ireland.
1: I went to seminary in Ireland. Was uh, there uh, sixty-seven to seventy-three, and um, uh, then ordained in. Uh, June uh, on June 3rd of 73, and uh, came out here in mid July and uh, got started in uh, St. Joseph's Reading and was there for four years, and then went on to uh, where the West still lives in Modoc County, Altura, <laughs> and Cedarville, and Fandango Pass, yes. and North Bidwell and Eagleville, and Lake City, and all those little towns uh, with wonderful. Uh,
0: how many of those had oh boy, missions of, from Alturas? How many of them had missions? No, C- just, uh, Cedarville had a mission, didn't it?
1: Cedarville was the mission of Alturas. Okay, yeah.
0: that was the one. And so yeah. it
1: was As a little church of St. James, mm-hmm. and uh, during my time there, we were fortunate that uh, the community came together and built a little hall, and that was a fun thing to do. And, of course, being a priest in a small community like that, uh, I was able to be... Uh, free to actually work with the crew. And uh, insofar as I had any ability to do anything, uh, I could saw and I could lift and I could hammer and I could do a variety of things. And uh, so I can remember uh, wonderful people like uh, Ken Baker, uh, long dead now, uh, working on that. And so once in a while I go back to uh, uh, Alturas and uh, Modoc uh, that's where I became a citizen.
0: Uh, oh, is that right?
1: Judge, Judge Marty Young was the uh, wonderful Catholic man there. And he uh, uh, asked me one day, uh, would you, uh, uh, are you thinking about this being a citizen? And I said, well, I think I'm over the five years, which you have to be in the country. And so uh, he said, well, that's good. He said, well, then just come over to the office, he said, and we're, take it through what he said, and my secretary and I will take care of the paperwork, and of course it was this as long before uh, 9-11 and all the several problems we have now of trying to be you know, securing people and so on, and at that time, you know, it was very simple to go through. Uh, he had a few questions for me and then he said, I think that'll do, and uh, he's still alive, a great old man now, well, I think he must have been in his 90s now, but Talk to him once in a while, him and his wife, and uh, there's very few of the people I knew up there uh, still there. But once in a while, I contact one or two of them, and uh, uh, great memories of Modoc County. Yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, it's it, it's almost Alturas is uh, the county seat has to be one of the smallest county seats in in uh, in California, and uh, um, you, it's almost. You know, multi-state. You're touching Nevada. You're touching Oregon. Um, it's just, but it, you're right. It's the Wild West. It's it's it's. It's it, the
1: Wild West, and actually, it hasn't changed that much uh, uh, in a long, long time. And I don't, when I go back there, it's it has our tourist has one blinking light.
0: Right. Right.
1: No regular <laughs> light, but just one blinking light, uh, and. Uh, uh, it, i don't think it's growing uh in fact it might even be declining uh, uh so it, there's very little likelihood of that part of the state ever really uh growing in a big way because uh, just the distance and mountains and you name it um, but certainly if you wanted a place to get away from it all uh, uh Moda County is, your best, is one of your best spots.
0: Yeah, and the cost of living, the cost of a home there is a, about a tenth of what it is here in the Sacramento Valley.
1: Yeah, difficult winters. Uh, other yeah. than that, actually, you know, from say, April to... Uh, they do make a joke up there that if they get us summer, they get it a few days in August.
0: A few days in <laughs> August. But, you know, I mean, it can be... 80, 85 in the summer and and dip down into the 30s. It's almost like Truckee in that way, you know, in terms of uh, I think the summers up there are, are absolutely beautiful. As I remember oh, tourists yeah. had a pretty good place to get a hamburger, too.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Harold's was a wonderful You're place right. there. And then they had the best uh, Basque restaurant, uh, uh, Bernard and Josephine Laranaga mm-hmm. were the people who run that. And they had the most amazing uh, recipe uh, uh, for uh, their salad, uh, mm. their salad dressing. And you would not get that. I don't think if the bishop in, or even the pope were to ask for that, <laughs> they wouldn't get it. Uh, I was sort of in the house and in the family and so on, but it was, I could still uh, uh, taste that distinctive uh, dressing. Uh, in uh, the, bass, the Brass Rail, as it was called. The brass are, they, are they still there? I think it's still there, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was there the last time I was there, was four or five years ago. I think their children were, took it over, and, mm-hmm. and you know, those past people tend to yeah. not want to change too many things. Yeah. And so it certainly didn't change a bit from the time I'd been there ten years earlier. And uh, I'm fixing to go back up there again. uh Oh, maybe one of these years, you know. Uh, uh, certainly, next two or three years, I'll go up there, yeah.
0: How how big was your parish?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, we had uh, a 5 o'clock mass on Saturday, and we had a uh, uh, 9 on Sunday, and then we had 11 over in Cedarville. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we are beginning to get Latin, Spanish masses going then, and so uh, a little bit of that, but that was just beginning to start when I left there, and... Um so, um, yeah, there was a wonderful lady there who had her guitar, and she would play for the Mass over at Cedarville, uh, Georgia Smith, Lord of Mercy in her, and we used to call her Sweet Georgia Brown. <laughs> and so she was a great little lady, and she would drive uh, me over there, and then we'd have um, the Mass, and she would play her little guitar as uh, best she could and lead the singing and so on. And then we would... Uh, Go down to uh, the local restaurant uh, and uh, meet some of the good people there for lunch afterwards. And it was a whole different way of living. Uh, you know, as a pastor, as a priest, you'd be chief cook and bottle washer, sure. and they, you did everything and uh, a little bit of secretarial. Uh, 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 I remember when I got there, my first month there. I think that Judge Young came by two or three times for different things that he uh, wanted to talk to me about. Uh, he was a lecturer and he was on the Finance Council and stuff of like that. But anyway, he, um, uh, I think it was the fourth time, he told me, you know, he said, whenever I come by, you always bring me into the little office, but you never invite me into your front room. Hmm. And he said, I'm not saying you should. He said, I'm not throwing bank or anything you know, his, his local uh, uh, superior court judge or whatever. But he said, um, I just want you to, to, to share this with you because you're a young fella. You're only 28, and uh, you're here in an out-of-the-way place. You're far from other priests, and you're far from everybody. And he said, uh, you should be able to make friends here. Mm. And he said, "Don't." also, he said that my advice to you would be, don't try to make everybody like you. <laughs> People don't have to like you. Not everybody will like you. Some people will naturally just like you. He said, I get elected here every time with 63%, 67% of the vote. I said, I don't have anybody opposed to me. He (laughs) said, I still get only 67% of the vote. (laughs) He said, I'll be elected here, he said, as long as I live. And that turned out to be the case. But he said, obviously there's people who love me, who like me, and who don't like me. And he said... Uh, my job is to do fair and right by everybody whether they voted for me or not. To give them right. the justice that they come in. So he said the same for you. He said but he said, Don't be afraid to have to make friends. Maybe you don't like me. Maybe you do like me. Maybe you like Joe and Mary, but you won't like Jim and Joan. But he said, That's okay. He said, You should be able to invite people to dinner here or go out to dinner with people and he said there's some people you won't go to dinner with because First of all in will world like you won't ask, you still so <laughs> like you, but but it was great advice uh, yeah,
0: yeah and
1: uh, and you know that uh, you just uh, uh, do the best you can, do the right thing for everybody, and then uh, personalities, you know and and I think that's something we probably need to recognize in the church, you know that some people may like the post personality and some people may not, uh, even some things he says or does or the way he does things, the same for a bishop, the same for a, the local pastor, you know, you might like Father A, and then Father B comes along, he's not your type. And then Father C comes along, you love him. <laughs> yeah. So, But any priest is a priest, and I always tell people that uh, when I used to be serving on the personnel board many years ago, I would go to parishes where they were vacant, and I would say, you know, you're going to get a priest. And he may not be as good as, as intelligent or as anything as the guy you had on the other hand, he might be better. (laughs) So, Who knows? But you've got to get a priest who will do all the sacraments and he'll anoint your dying person, and he'll baptize you, and he'll do all your confessions. And so, you know, some you like and some you won't. Just welcome them anyway. Father that.
0: we are against the clock here. Would you like to close with a prayer for the new year?
1: Well, indeed, that would be great, yeah. So we pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Good and merciful God, we thank you for the year that you gave us, difficult as it was. And now we thank you that we have almost uh, two weeks into this uh, new year already. We thank you for the beautiful feast of Christmas, Tiffany, all that we have had in between. Now we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us, give eternal rest to our brother and um, the example, Bishop. Um, Uh, Pope Benedict, and bless the local church here in Sacramento, bless all our parishes, bless our individual peoples with their difficulties and the challenges that all of us face in our lives, and your Holy Spirit to lead us into a deeper, deeper faith, to be closer to Jesus and Mary and Joseph, help us to love you and serve you with all our hearts in the year ahead, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks so much, Father. And, uh, we'll You're welcome. Thank
1: cool. you, Bob. And God bless all our listeners.
0: God bless you, too. And we'll look forward to talking to you more in the new year. Please, God. Anytime. Thanks Bye. so much. That's uh, Father Michael Kiernan. Uh, uh, 50 years now as a priest. Uh, he is a priest uh, on Janu- uh, June, June the 3rd. And, and he's, he's going to have a celebration in Ireland also uh, for people up in the North State uh, Sacred Heart Parish, where he was in Anderson. They're going to have a, a, a mass on June the 14th and then uh, right here in Carmichael at Our Lady of the Assumption on June the 22nd, 6 p.m. both times. Uh, so you might just want to, you know, just mark those dates just just to, so you got it circled when you go, oh, yeah, I think I think something's happening on that day. So congratulations to him and thank thank you to him for all he has done here for all of us in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone.